Welcome to the Sajcast. I'm Mark Austin. And I'm Stacey Roberts. And, and we, we are, are the, the Sons, Sons of, of Joy. Joy. You are listening to Sajcast number two. Our second ever Sajcast. Today's Sajcast is sponsored by Zombie Guy. Not spelled the way you think. X-O-M-B-E-E-G-U-I dot com. America's most lovable zombie. Laugh. Love. Brains. Okay, so it's time for current events. And current events, when you do a weekly Sajcast, is a bit of a burden. Because you have to pay attention to the world around you, and then comment on it. So, with this new responsibility, I cast about looking for news of the world. And I figured, maybe C-SPAN was the way to go. Now, I know that most people watch C-SPAN to see government in action, and then most people do that from the safety and comfort of their own bathtub with a toaster nearby. But I figured, let's give it a shot, since the History Channel was a bit too out of date for current events. <laughs> I tuned into C-SPAN on a Saturday night, wishing I was having more fun, and I saw the portrait unveiling of George W. Bush, which is a apparently a tradition at the White House. The new president, although the new president's been there almost a full term, has the previous president come to the White House and they do an unveiling ceremony of their presidential portrait. Uh, not to be left out, the first ladies have portraits as well. And so there's this, um, it's kind of a Washington love fest in which the new guy says nice things about the old guy. The old guy says nice things about the new guy. They talk about how hard it is to raise kids in the White House. And Obama thanked Bush for leaving him with a really good sports package. So... But because they are politicians, they couldn't pass up the opportunity to get a few digs in. Obama said that during the transition, he and his team found out for the first time that how bad the economic crisis really was. And he's looking at the guy that his team said not only caused it, but minimized its impact so as to throw the election to the guy they wanted, which is not Obama. Um... But either way, it was a nice to see George W. Bush again back in his familiar surroundings with his patented smirk. Which George, which George Bush are we talking about? Well, well there were more than one, weren't there? There were more than one because the whole the... family comes. And that's uh, a none too subtle reminder that the Bush family treats America's house like their own little frat building. Um, so it was, he was back in fine form. He commented that the current presidential portrait collection begins and ends with a George W., um, which was not funny. And he reminded Michelle Obama that when the British burned the White House in 1814, it was the First Lady's job to save the portrait of President Washington. And he told her, I'm not saying that anything's going to happen, but if it does, take my portrait. It was actually funny, which is not something that I expected from him. I'm hoping maybe he's mellowed out. But we'll see, because paying attention to the world around me, subsequent to that, I noticed that George W. Bush was in the news every day after that. Um, they interviewed Bill Clinton, and they asked him about the Bush tax cuts, and he tried to be statesmanlike and basically supported the, the Bush tax cuts and then opposed them, which apparently is what Democrats do. 
Um, and then the next day, Nancy Pelosi, uh, in all full-blown horrific style, said that George W. Bush was a great guy to hang out with. Um, socially. Socially, right. He was fun to be around. He's the president you most want to have a beer with. And Nancy said that she would not mind that. And if it hadn't been for the fact that these two people were charged with the stewardship of the greatest nation on earth, then sure, sit around, drink some beer. Nothing big's going to happen on your watch. The one president that won't actually drink a beer with you. Yes. No offense to <laughs> beer drinkers. That's right. So I started to wonder why Bush is back in the news, and the big and obvious answer occurred to me, which is, they are getting America used to seeing him again because he's going to be out on the campaign trail with Mitt Romney all summer and all fall long. And um, they don't want us to be surprised. It's a, it's a gradual and steady reintroduction, and it is not for the first time in American history that it's happened. Just think about Richard Nixon in the early 80s. So this is your prediction? This is a first ever... Yes, yeah, a Sajcast. Sajcast prediction. prediction. We are predicting George W. Bush... Out on the stump with Romney. Well, because the way the week worked, it seemed uh, in a little bit of news that I caught uh, was in rental cars uh, on the radio. And it seemed like President Clinton was really the one out campaigning for Romney. It's so hard to tell. Um, according to my research, Bill Clinton is the guy who tells you whatever it is you want to hear. And the problem is, is that he talks to different people and so says different things <laughs> that are not always in agreement. And he might be just a little bit angry, jealous, you know, holding some sort of resentment around the whole primary. Yes. And because Hillary was doing awfully well mm -hmm. before that junior senator showed up. Yes. What was he thinking? And of course, you know, there had to be a deal. Well, Bill, you can have all the interns you want, <laughs> but you're going to make me president. Deal? Okay. Okay, so for project updates this week, um, we didn't get a whole lot accomplished towards our, most of our projects because I was traveling for most of the week. Uh, in fact, I just returned to Studio Z uh, scarcely an hour before the podcast began. Before that, I had spent part of the week in um, Canada and part of the week in Seattle. Uh, more specifically, I was in Toronto and uh, even more specifically than that, uh, Mississauga, Canada. Uh, it's always neat to be up in Canada, especially when the uh, the Queen's Jubilee is going on, because you can hear uh, just how much they're fond of the Queen and uh, sort of how uh, isolated, I guess, we feel from her uh, because of that whole revolution thing. Anyway, and then from there, I went over to uh, Seattle, more specifically into Redmond, Washington, which happens to be where uh, the headquarters uh, of the company that I work for is located. That would be Microsoft, uh, for those of you who aren't paying careful attention. Along the way, uh, I was supposed to record a podcast with our, our pals at the Panel Pals podcast. And so the, the plan was to have a, a podcast with them, I, I guess, last night. And um, a couple things kind of got in the way of that, uh, which we'll cover in some more detail in the food porn section. Uh, but originally, I was going to be there, and I realized that my good friend and a good friend of uh, both our podcast and the, the Panel Pals podcast, uh, Charles Joy, uh, at Thanos Rules, or the uh, Stacks of Comics podcast is his podcast. Um, anyway, we were all going to be up there at the same time. So it occurred to us that maybe we could tag team the panel pals, and that would be kind of fun to do. So we, we were originally just going to record a podcast with them um, uh, last night sometime. 
and uh, that just didn't work out. So I wanted to extend uh, my apology to the panel pals who uh, have a fine podcast, and we are hoping to reschedule that next week, um, maybe next Tuesday when I'm in Orlando, as it seems I'm never quite here. But uh, that can all be done with the magic of Skype, and that's real exciting. So uh, again, to uh, to Leo and Michael, apologies for, for missing that, and uh, a shout-out to you guys and your podcast, and um, as well as to, to Charles Joy. Anyway, so having just now returned to Studio Z, I noticed there was a, a bunch of packages waiting for me, uh, many of which I was waiting for very eagerly, and some not so much. But one of the ones I was looking forward to was, uh, we'll file under, Daddy got a new stun gun. And um, ostensibly, the purchase of the stun gun was for research for our book about a zombie. And since we are big fans of research and realism, we recommend that anyone who writes fiction should really invest in some of the props they use in their novels. And so we had a taser. We tried it out. It sounded way different than we thought it would when we wrote it into the book. So now we got to go change it. Yeah. Uh, it was Fantastic. I mean, it feels heavy in your hand. I'm holding it right now. For those of you at home who can't see, um, I'm turning it on and you hear that? That's not an intimidating noise. Well, and, and to be, to, to bring this back around to its intended purpose, if you were attacked by a rampaging zombie, the clicks wouldn't scare them away. And right now, the clicks are all you got. Yeah, for a while there, it was working quite impressively. It was a little blue arc, uh, just a really rapid, loud, clicking, sparking. It was a loud, sharp noise, and if you've conditioned your zombie to fear the pain of being stunned by the stun gun, just the zap alone should be enough to guarantee good behavior. Well, so. you made a quantum leap there that is a bit of a, uh, well, I don't know, a reveal. <laughs> a little Oops. bit of a... <laughs> Uh, a piece of information that the, the audience doesn't necessarily have is that uh, in our story, zombies aren't mindless whores. Hordes. Did I say hordes? You did. Whores. Well, they might be mindless whores, but they're not mindless Well, now whores. that's a whole new direction for the book to take. Yeah. So, uh, I think the summary is that our taser, brand new, quit working. Yeah. It's like... Double spoiler alert. Double spoiler alert. It's like... Um, uh, what's the word? It's like Christmas in Cairo. Nothing really turns out the way you expect. So next week's Sajcast will not be sponsored by whoever it is who makes this piece of junk. Yes. It was brought to us by the, the fine people at Amazon.com uh, via the way of uh, shipping. And so we shall ship it back to them and get a new taser. And on our next Sajcast, we'll, we'll try uh, zapping and see if we can hear it. Uh, from a, a, a reasonably safe distance. For your listening pleasure. Uh, the other thing we thought it might be fun to try, uh, aside from just hearing it so that we could write about it more authentically, was, uh, you know, when you have the writer's block, maybe this is a good uh, cattle prod to move the story along. Right, which is something we're not going to know until the book is done. And then we can do a Sajcast-sponsored retrospective and find out if the threat or delivery of a electrical prodding actually stopped the writer's block moved the project along and got the thing done we'll let you know i can foresee an exciting book signing where um, we sign your book we'll make it out to you and your loved ones and then we tase the hell out of you 
Yeah, I think that uh, we could send out invitations. We'll be signing books at the Joseph Beth in uh, Crescent Crescent Springs. Um, bring your depend undergarments because we cannot guarantee the sanctity of your bladder after we try our taser on you. Ambulances are standing by. Mm-hmm. So I think that's about all we had for Project Updates this week. Let's move on to the reviews section. So this week in reviews, I... Um, I read the follow-up piece to uh, the book that we reviewed, a uh, book in air quotes there, uh, the 11-page story that we reviewed in the very first ever SajCast, uh, Locked In. So this is um, Zombie Bedtime Stories Part 2, Locked Out, uh, which uh, did essentially triple the length of the first story. Impressive. Um, and... Uh, although it's not yet posted, I have submitted this to uh, the Zedward site and uh, gave it three Zed head rating in the and will not go over the scoring uh, again. But it, it fell solidly into the three Zed head rating. Um, th- uh, different idea this time. So this time, our protagonist, the uh, late thirty-something gal. Who is the minister? Yeah, the minister of some sort of research facility that does infectious diseases. So, kind of see where that's going to go. And within the first page or two, you know, the army shows up and they need to commandeer the facility because there's been some riots in the capital the last day or two. Seem very violent riots. And, you know, being in the genre that it's in, we know exactly where all this is headed. So um, the pacing was a lot better because there was a great deal more content, uh, or at least three times as much content. A couple things confused me in a 33-page story. I don't really look for chapters. This one had 11. (laughs) The shortest was almost two pages long. It's very strange. Um, but anyway, that was more of a distraction than, uh, I guess, a genuine critique. Um, as I said, I, I think the the dialogue was better. The writing in general was a little better. Uh, the characters were still pretty flat um, and uninspiring. Kind of knew where everybody was going to go. Uh, spoiler alert, I was happy to see the protagonist die at the end. So it's got that going for it. At least it does deliver on the, God, I wish this woman would die. And then she does, so that's good. Um, basic plot goes something like, Army takes over, obviously it's a zombie thing. The the one of the research assistants who's real um, surly and gaunt and sort of pale and is always asking for beef jerky. I don't know where this is leading. But anyway, she turns out that she's been infected, of course, and she bites some people and then, you know, the chaos that ensues after that. Um, the research facility has to be abandoned in the end, and, uh, you know, they move on. Uh, the zombie virus itself is pretty standard, I guess, in that respect. Uh, the body dies, and then later the brain gets blown, you know, off the top of the head, so the whole thing dies. Uh, they have some super strength, which was a little interesting, um, but beyond that, um, what, what perplexed me the most was 
of the 33 pages, the first real sign of a zombie didn't show up till the halfway point, which is fine. And then by the time stuff really starts to turn bad, there was like three pages left. So that was just disappointing. You know, uh, if you're going to have a zombie story and you're going to talk all about, you know, these other things, talk about the zombies too, right? That's what the zombie audience wants. A few other things to bring up. It was set in the future. So um, we didn't know exactly how this woman was, but she was in college in 2018 and she's almost 40. So we know that it's in the 2030s somewhere. And in the first page or so, we uh, are introduced to the fact that the, the, the administrator has essentially all of the uh, information and all of the medical journals in some sort of a tablet device that she carries in her pocket, and it's powered by her body heat, which I thought you might enjoy. Um, and then uh, there's paper and pens and a really old projector with a VGA cable and suddenly we weren't in the future anymore. I mean, we were just in the present. And so it was really distracting that we started with a future story where there was one thing that was kind of interesting and then no more future. So I say, scratch the, the one thing and just set it now and there's no disappointment. Because, you know, the army hadn't made any advances. Um, they had actually stepped back a little uh, because much like in the first story, she um, had them using a flamethrower. Now, the flamethrower hasn't been used since the 1970s, at least by the U.S. Army, and no uh, active army in the world is using one. So in her story, they somehow or another dusted off half a century old flamethrowers <laughs> and used them to defend uh, an elementary school against rioters. So the Geneva Canons is all up in their grill, right? This is just not <laughs> the way the army should be working. Uh, anyway... Uh, a little better than the first story in terms of the writing, a little worse in terms of the idea because it didn't really go anywhere. So it, it fell back in the three Z-head category. So again, that was uh, Locked Out, uh, Zombie Bedtime Stories Part 2 by Tay Isis Gregory. My review for this week involves a larger, more dramatic thing that I have an interest in, which is my reconciliation with the History Channel. Because being a historian, not watching the History Channel isn't really something you do, even though it's now just populated with reality TV shows. But I thought that I should try and woo the History Channel back. Kind of like standing outside your girlfriend's trailer, drunk, yelling at the top of your lungs. I love you! Something like that. So, in that vein... Uh, this week on the History Channel was the epic Hatfields and McCoys, which is a miniseries starring Kevin Costner and a bunch of other really good actors uh, talking about the most famous feud in American history. And there's sort of a local element to this. So Studio Z is overlooking the beautiful skyline of downtown Cincinnati. And if you know anything at all about where Cincinnati is, that means we're on the south side of the Mason-Dixon. Mm -hmm. at least at the moment. And I know at least one of the families was in the great state of Kentucky. Much like we are. Oh, in Commonwealth fact, of Commonwealth, Kentucky. right. And it was the McCoys of Kentucky who were engaged in battle with the Hatfields of West Virginia. Those bastards. And this almost came to blows. They had the governors involved, a legion of lawyers. And here's the thing. To distill the feud down to its elements, 
it seems like a lot of this started with the Civil War, which, okay, some bad blood, but also much to do was made over a pig and who owned it. Hatfield said me, McCoy said me, and so it's more colorful for me to suggest that this whole thing was over some bacon. <laughs> the other thing that's elemental about the feud is that the two principals, Big Hatfield, Big McCoy, were not so as not so involved as we thought. They tended to work through intermediaries, and that never went well because uh, where the feud really gets going is when Hatfield decides to end the feud by capturing McCoy, bringing him back to West Virginia, and letting him cool his heels and probably feed him all manner of pork products as a little dig and try and talk reason into him. And But he Hatfield could not go himself, and he sent uh, his fellers out to do it for him. And when they came back to report, he said, how'd it go? And they said, not very well. And he said, why? And they said, well, one... McCoy got away. Two, we burned his house down, in the course of which we killed two of his children, and I hit his wife in the face with a rifle butt, and I don't think she'll ever be the same again. Well, that's not really a metric of success. And so the feud really went totally crazy after they tried to end it. And so a lesson for our listeners is don't let other people do your dirty work. Get out of bed, suit up, and go handle it yourself. Because a message of self-reliance. Self-reliance. Because you can't trust other people not to go bat crap crazy and kill everybody. So, um, But in terms of the story was well told, the acting was top-notch, the tragedy of what was going on came across very well, and it did what all good literature does, what good stories do is it provokes your interest to find out more about the story behind the story. And so it is worth a, worth a look, uh, and it's worth finding out more about the Hatfields and McCoys. And for those of you geeks out there, apparently Dr. McCoy of Star Trek is reputed to be a descendant of the, those McCoys, those of the disputed pig. Um, so definitely worth a watch. <laughs> Okay, and that theme, walk, watch, wah, wah, means it's time for food porn. Food porn. Food porn. So, there was a couple of items I wanted to cover in food porn, um, and I wanted to sort of introduce uh, a bit of a, a, a sub-component here, a subcategory called The Best Thing I Ate This Week. So, the first thing I want to talk about was the meat explosion. Now, I know... Um, you were invited to the meat explosion, and uh, you set out to join us at the meat explosion, and then you had some sort of brain explosion. Yeah, I actually, um, halfway there, I was afflicted with my habitual motion sickness, which um, takes me off the front line of most battles. And um, I thought perhaps we had been poisoned by something that we'd eaten earlier that day, but I couldn't make it. Went home, passed out, woke up the next day uh, meatless. And since it is food porn, what we had earlier was the Greyhound Tavern mm -hmm. in, uh, is that? Fort Mitchell. Fort Mitchell? Okay. I'm Fort sure Mitchell, Kentucky. It is an excellent, excellent restaurant. Um, I don't think they poisoned me. No, 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 no. And we weren't suggesting that. I was going to say that their fried chicken, for which they are known far and wide, is sublime. And their 
hot slaw is also worth uh, a taste because it's really good. It's really vinegary. And they put pork face on it. I was going to say, if you don't know what hot slaw is, it's not the opposite of cold slaw or coleslaw. Mm. It's sliced cabbage, sliced like a, like a coleslaw would be. Uh, and then with a vinegar that's probably got some sort of sweetener, sugar mm. in there, I'm guessing. And um, was it a... Uh, it wasn't ham hocks. It was it's more of jowl a... jowl bacon. Yeah, jowl bacon. Pig face. Pig face, yeah. Yes. Which ties in neatly with our Hatfield and McCoy theme. Yes, a nice segue. Um, yeah, so that was just extraordinarily good. And, and their chicken really is, as Garrison Keeler would say, a celebration of the life of the bird. Yes, yeah, even yeah. though we're exploiting its death. And uh, one other comment on the hot slaw, it is always fun to tell your mother, who's Jewish, that you spent <laughs> the Sabbath of our people eating the face of a pig with your German friend. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we, we highly recommend the Greyhound Tavern. Um, it's often populated with blue hares who apparently have a fetish for the for the chicken and other sundry yummy things that they make. Uh, but and in incentivizing you to listen to future Sajcasts, we're going back to the Greyhound Tavern. Oh yeah, stay tuned. Oh yeah, they have a they have a brunch that has uh, everything that I look for in a brunch, which is breakfast. And lunch. And don't give away any details because this is future food porn. Oh yeah, no, this is just an aside. I'm really irritated by brunches that don't contain lunch. I don't want to show up somewhere at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday for mimosas and scrambled eggs. I need something more substantial. Yes. Um, anyway, so speaking of pig, there was um, at the meat explosion, and this is... Um, an annual event that happens uh, here in Kentucky. Some really awesome people put it on, and I was lucky enough to be invited and, and actually make it to the meat explosion. Is that a criticism? That sounds like a sitting <laughs> criticism. Well, I was just fortunate enough to get there because it was off in the bush a bit. It, it took a little uh, winding roads to get there, but they had um, a full pig uh, that they. It wasn't on a spit. They dug out a trench, got a charcoal thing going in there, buried the pig, and let him in for 18 or 19 hours, something like that. Pulled him out, and he was scrumptious. They also had a deep fryer, and again, this is probably a topic for another Saj cast, but they used it pretty thoroughly. And in this case, they deep fried all manner of fowl. So chicken, goose, hen, you know, uh, duck, Turkey, the whole nine yards. All the birds you could imagine were, were dunked in oil and came out crispy and delicious. Uh, and there was just all kinds of other stuff going on. Uh, the, the theme of the meat explosion this year was to have your dishes be named after um, 80s sitcom. So there were um, all kinds of uh, dishes. Uh, I should have made a list of them all, but... Uh, I brought my sauerkraut, which is something of an embarrassment at meat explosion. But I figured people did need, you know, some roughage. So, uh, and that's homemade sauerkraut fermented naturally, and it's it's pretty darn good. And it was actually well received. And so that was uh, Hogan's favorite kraut. Although Hogan wasn't really in the '80s, they they let us slide a little there. But the one thing, and I think I may have sent you a picture of this. I don't know if it got through to you, but. There was a, a cheesy mutant uh, ninja turtle burger. So this was 
a burger, and I'm going to guess it was of a prime meat because it wasn't um, ground beef or chuck or anything like that. Um, and the burger was covered with bacon and had hot dogs uh, emanating out of it in the shape of an X. So it was bisected by two hot dogs, and the hot dogs were cheesy hot dogs. And so on top of the the cheese was bacon. So you had bacon, cheese, and a burger with intersecting hot dogs. And that was pretty darn good, let me tell you. I uh, I had trouble keeping it, uh, you know, trying to get a bite that all the components together uh, didn't work out. But uh, be that as it may, uh, the hot dogs were amazing. Burger was spot on and... Bacon, you know, nobody has a problem with bacon. Well, and so now that I know what was going on while I was <laughs> at home eating plain toast and gruel, um, I am sad, and I am going to make it to Meat Explosion 2013. Yes, everyone should. So uh, that gets bacon reminds me of the best thing I ate this week is actually something I ate last night, and this is. Uh, in Seattle, Washington, well, more specifically in Redmond, Washington, those of you that are new to the, the Saj cast, I happen to work at Microsoft, so that explains why I happen to be in Seattle a lot. And uh, the reason that we ended up missing the Panel Pals podcast uh, interview thing was that Charles and I, along with the team, went out to dinner. Uh, and this is what, you know, your boss says, we're going to dinner, and especially when he suggested where we were going to dinner, uh, it was equally hard to turn down. So where we went was a place called El Matador, which is over by the Redmond Town Center. Uh, If you're in the area, you obviously know it. It's a bit of a landmark and uh, has a number of very attractive waitresses. And uh, with the exception of maybe our table, uh, the patrons are also quite attractive. So it's a very good-looking group all around, and generally they are. Um, anyway, so El Matador, the real reason we go there is for an appetizer. Uh, and the appetizer is a jalapeno pepper that's been hollowed out, filled with goat cheese, wrapped in bacon, grilled crispy, and then served with something that's not completely different than a hot slaw. Um, it's not so wet, but it's cabbage in a kind of a vinegary, vinaigrette almost, and some other sundry seasonings and a bit of uh, homemade ranch in the middle and those things are dynamite and the great part is we can make them at home Um, and I've tried this a couple times because this isn't the first time I went to El Matador Um, and I recommend pre-cooking the bacon because otherwise your pepper gets really charred to get the bacon right so pre-cook the bacon stuff your pepper with um, goat cheese or feta or cream cheese if you like um any of those will work wrap it up in bacon throw it on a grill for a couple minutes let it all get charred and man is that good stuff good stuff so i guess in in closing out the best thing that i ate this week is also kind of the weirdest thing that happened to me this week and um not that this is going to be a recurring theme but this actually happened at el matador last night um so we were a group of six um, I think the smallest guy in the group is maybe 180, 190. So, you know, we're eaters. Uh, the biggest guys are 300 north of there. So, you know, we're a hefty table. 
And uh, we had gotten in fairly early, uh, at least Redmond time. So I think we landed around 530, uh, which was late for me. My tummy was grumbling. But, we, you know, we got in there pretty easily. And this place gets packed. Anyway, we, we had our dinner. It was awesome. And then, you know, you kind of come to the end of the meal and looking around the table to see who's going to say, all right, it's time to go, right? It was in that little zone. People had their phones out. We're talking about what's the best app you've downloaded lately. You know, it was in that zone. And out of the mists of time, apparently, Wilford Brimley walks up to the table. Just to tie it into Sajcast number one. Certainly looked like Wilford Brimley. And he said, are you guys done eating? And as it happened, I was sitting at the end of the table. So I was at the head of the table, sort of unintentionally so, but as we spread out, I just kind of ended up there. So I was the first point of contact for Wilfred. And at this point, there's phones on the table and like three glasses of water. So I said, yeah, kind of looks that way, doesn't it? And then he let the expletives fly. And so um, I guess we can't repeat them on the Sajcast, cast, but... He said, you a-holes are sitting here holding this table with nothing but water. When are you leaving? And at this point, I said, you know, now that you put it that way, never. <laughs> We're not. <laughs> and that's an, that's an answer that it seemed like he was begging for with, oh, his, oh yeah. with his presentation. Yeah. And so then he went on to call us a number of other expletives. Uh... And then as sort of the, the parting insult to me personally, he said, nice sideburns, Elvis. And I know Wilford Brimley was born in another century, but calling someone Elvis is not an insult. Just, right. I mean, good looking guy, got the ladies, could sing. What What's not to want to be an Elvis about? I don't know. Well, unless he's predicting you're going to die on the toilet. Well, that could have been. But still, when you first started telling the story, I thought maybe he was part of the restaurant management trying <laughs> no. to trying to turn a table. Yeah, well, um, no, he had a big, you know, liter of beer in his hands and he smelled of alcohol. Oh. And you come over to a group this size and start insulting him. Uh, so you're anyway, not, you're we, not going to get what you want. Yeah, we stayed there. I mean, we were literally about to get up and then we just decided we're going to be obstinate for a good 10 minutes and sat there. Um, and then as we finally left, um, his, well, the, he and his friend of, were over at the bar drinking and apparently they both had far too much to drink. Um, and he saw us leaving. This is the friend now who looked like Ed Begley Jr. It's quite a cast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he came over and decided he was going to continue the taunting, having now won the table. Yeah. So, you know, he said, hey, you know, you and your queen friends, and it, not to put down gay people in any way because we have lots of gay friends, but these guys were clearly queens. And so it was the first place they went, which I thought was odd, uh, as insults go. But, we're, you know, the, the six of us are now standing in the doorway, and this guy um, kind of messes as he gets closer to the door and realizes that I'm pretty pissed off. And I'm ready to knock out his teeth. And I don't think he's accustomed to, especially in this part of the country where everybody's very huggy, touchy-feely. Uh, they're not used to East Coasters. Right. 
and or Kentucky people reference the Hatfield and McCoy <laughs> aspect of the Sajcast in which you steal my bacon and I yeah. will kill you and your whole family <laughs> and burn your house down. So anyway, the uh, the rest of the team ushered me away, uh, which was probably wise. And uh, you know now we have a, a fond memory of our our team meeting where where we uh, you know we got into it with the uh, the elderly locals. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, uh, highly recommend El Matador. Uh, but but even keeled. I mean, calmly. El Matador. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I mean, even even if he's there every time, I'm still going back for those yeah. jalapenos. And I would. I'd yeah. recommend it. So, I, I think that's all we have for food porn this week. Um, stay but, tuned for next week where we'll I have think you can, new food porn. I, I think you can relatively count on uh, us eating before the next Sajcast. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'll be traveling, so I will be all over the place before the next Sajcast. So whatever it is I eat, something will have to qualify as the best thing that I ate this week or in the intervening time. Mm-hmm. So um, once again, thanks for tuning into Sajcast number two, sponsored by Zombie Guy, not spelled the way you think. X-O-M-B-E-G-U-Y dot com. America's most lovable zombie. Laugh. Love. Brain.